Hi, my name's Emily and I'm an osteopath and healthcare enthusiast working in the Midlands. I spend every week helping my patients reduce their aches and pains, move their bodies more and live the healthiest life possible. And now I want you to join the conversation. In this podcast, I'll be investigating the people and places around the Midlands that are on the same mission and ask them to share their knowledge to transform your health. There's no subject that's off topic. Nutrition, mental health, sleep and fitness, it's all here. This is the Healthy Midlands podcast. So I would firstly like to welcome you to this very special mid-season episode of the Healthy Midlands podcast. This episode is going to be a solo cast um, and if you're fairly new to the world of podcasting like I am, um, a solo cast is essentially just where you talk by yourself. So I don't have a guest for today's episode. Um, I thought I would just to take some time to record an episode by myself um, to give you a little bit more information about me as a host, um, my work at Ebrook Osteopathy and Sports Clinic and why you might be hearing so much from the other practitioners who I share this clinic space with. Um, Our clinic started all the way back in 2014 when I had first moved back to Sutton Coalfield from London um, where I had completed my master's degree in osteopathy at the British School of Osteopathy which has since been renamed the University College of Osteopathy Um, and at that time there wasn't quite as much awareness in the West Midlands in particular, um, but kind of a, a concentration gradient from London and the southeast outwards kind of becomes less and less common that you would meet an osteopath or know what osteopathy was based on kind of where you live geographically. And the thing that had drawn me to osteopathy in the first place as someone who'd grown up in a town where there really weren't very many osteopaths and that kind of alternative approach to muscle and joint injuries was that uh, (laughs) I I mean I I was 17 18 years old when I'd made that decision that that's what I was going to do and I think um, it probably came from always being like a little tiny bit of a a rebel and a rule breaker and I wanted to do something that was slightly outside of the norm and I mean now like people recognize osteopathy as being very similar to physiotherapy and it is in a lot of ways and the the more we go through time and the more our practice is informed by an evidence base the closer and closer to physio we get. Back in the 80s 90s osteopathy was um, you know seen as a lot more alternative Um, and osteopathy's roots were in divergence from that kind of uh, the medical narrative of the time so the guy who uh, this is like off on a bit of a tangent now really but the guy who invented osteopathy his name was Andrew Taylor still Um, he's got a bit of a speckled past um so he was a confederate soldier in the american civil war um you know we like to think that we're going to end up on the right side of history but (laughs) maybe sometimes we don't um and so he was uh, originally a pastor and a doctor and those two things used to go hand in hand 
um, mostly because they were the people who could read. <laughs> um, and Andrew Taylor still had this like just sort of he felt quite deflated when he came back from the American Civil War with the type of medicine that he had seen practiced and uh for anyone who's watched you know the fabulous <laughs> cinematic classic Gone with the Wind <laughs> and seen Vivian Lee's face when she witnesses doctors chopping off confederate soldiers legs with no anesthesia uh, you can imagine that that's kind of the feeling that Andrew Taylor still would have had at that time. Uh, when the war ended, uh, he kind of schlepped all the way back home to Kansas, I think he was from, only to find that his wife and quite a lot of his children, while the war had been going on, had died from meningitis. And as a pastor, um, his belief system was that your health was tied in um, to your spirituality. Uh, he had a very holistic view on that point. And uh, he was like, you know, how could God do this to my family? And they were so devout and um, they wouldn't have, uh, you know, sinned to deserve meningitis. Because <laughs> that, you know, that's how it works. Um, uh <laughs> so... Uh, his his disillusionment with the medical system at the time just became even more uh, ingrained and he sought to find an alternative way around it. And his approach to that was that it, it was a lot of the interventions that medics were providing at the time were kind of at odds with the way that the body wanted to go. So if you had an infection and you were running a fever, they would do things like um, give you... Uh, salicate from willow bark which you know now we like see as uh, as modern day aspirin uh, to try and fight that fever and make it go down um which is you know like a, a sensible thing to do but andrew taylor still thought that um you know the body is trying to do what it can to sort that infection out and running a fever is um your body's response to kind of like kill off infective agents by making your body too hot for them to live in um which works to a point uh but then your body becomes too hot for you to live in um in some cases and that's where people you know especially at that time would die from fevers and infections um and so he said you know like the but God would have made our bodies absolutely perfect. Um, and his philosophy was that we had our own inbuilt mechanisms, our own inbuilt medicine chest to deal with these things. And instead of fighting them, should we lean into it a little bit more? So it was a very natural, very um, conservative, very um, supportive approach to health rather than some of the more aggressive interventions that um, medicine was producing at the time um, and that's where kind of the philosophy of osteopathy came from in its roots Andrew Taylor still went on to teach other people his approach and he called it osteopathy. Um, there is so much speculation as to where he got his ideas from and, do, you know, he crossed paths with D.D. D. Palmer, who was the founding father of chiropractic medicine, um, and they kind of talk 
sometimes about him nabbing techniques from uh, indigenous peoples, uh, bone setting techniques and things like that, um, which is where they think maybe some of the joint manipulation came from in the first place. But I think... Uh, however, by hook or by crook, however he came up with these things, he started to teach them to other people. And one of the people who was studying under him uh, at the time was a man called John Martin Littlejohn. And he brought those techniques and philosophies with him back to the UK. So um, it wasn't long, it what certainly was kind of within Taylor Still's lifetime that osteopathy kind of ground and made some roots in in the UK and Europe um so that's kind of where it all stemmed from and then as we kind of go through time osteopathy becomes uh, legally regulated in the 90s in the UK and then we move forward and forward and forward and what we can't do as a profession is ignore evidence that comes about through research and now since 2017 osteopathy has actually been an allied health profession which is a recognized health profession by the NHS um, and that means that in some parts of the country now you can find osteopathy on the NHS and it means that we're held to the same kind of rigorous standards as other allied health professionals um, the AHP list is I think it's kind of between 14 and 17 professions long and there's everything on there from audiology and optometry radiography midwifery all the way through to speech and language therapy art therapy movement therapies um, and it really provides all of these supporting services that are you know vital to the successful running of the NHS but also kind of vital to people's quality of life and I think that is really where osteopathy sits at the moment in the present day is that Nobody nobody died from having a sore back, but certainly people's lives can be of an increasingly poor quality when they're in pain and they're losing function and they're losing mobility. Um, and so osteopathy has now reached a point, in my opinion, maybe there's people who will fight me on this, <laughs> where we're increasingly looking at an evidence base and we're increasingly looking for um, the, the evidence to back up what we do and to quantify and qualify what we do um, with our patients in clinic. Um, our clinic, if we come back to that, um, has been open since 2014 when I graduated. Um, I moved back up from London and I set myself up in a little um, office of Above, uh, it was empty at the time, but then it became the Costa Coffee on Boldmere Road. So, if anybody's familiar with Boldmere High Street, um, then you will know there is a little um, PVC door just next to the Costa entrance between that and the Bishop Vesey pub. And um, if you go up the incredibly steep staircase, um, you will find, uh, although it's not open to the public, so don't don't go down there don't kind of try and do some sort of like uh, pop culture history tour of previous ebrocosteopathy and sports clinic sites um, but yeah up there there are some uh, small office units and that is where ebrocosteopathy and sports clinic started its journey all the way back in 2014 
and at that time I worked entirely by myself um, I had uh, some small jobs at other neighboring uh, town clinics for different people but ultimately within the first 12 18 months I was devoting all of my working time to building up that clinic and it didn't take too long really for me to find other practitioners who wanted to come and work with me there and the very first practitioner who I met was actually my dear friend and colleague Michelle Darcy who has just recently moved to Devon and, and she I mean she's had just been the most wonderful gorgeous associate to start my clinic up with and you know I'm very very sad that she's moved to Devon and it's it's apparent that the three-hour commute uh, just wouldn't be plausible for her three times a week with her young family um, although you know if I could pinch the map and bring those two places closer together I would certainly do it would be incredible to have Michelle back and I think she's going to do very very occasional guest clinics when she's back so if anybody's listening and they're a devotee of Michelle watch this space and I will let you know when she's uh, around to come and do some sports therapy with you and I think maybe this is a good point to talk about the differences between osteopathy and sports therapy so osteopathy is quite a complete system of diagnosis and treatment whereas though sports therapy is uh, we you would want to be working with some sort of known variable so if you have an ache or a pain and you are a complete enigma mystery that's kind of where we would direct you to come and see one of our osteopaths in the clinic and if you are a little bit more certain as to what's causing your ache or pain um whether that's desk work, whether it's that you've taken up running or rowing or cycling and you're just feeling a bit sore, or maybe you twisted your ankle, you pulled your hamstring, you um, lifted something that it was a little bit too heavy for you. That is more the remit of our sports therapists. And what they can do is they've got you know incredible hands-on sports massage skills for recovery between training sessions. But they also have really, really good skills in terms of assessing what muscles need to be strengthened, which muscles need to be lengthened with stretching and mobility exercises. And they have such a solid base of knowledge to work from on that. So when you phone up our clinic, our receptionists have got quite an extensive flow diagram but also you know great knowledge from having worked in our clinic environment for a number of years and so if you feel comfortable and you would like to you're very very welcome to give the receptionist some details of your situation and they will be able to pinpoint which practitioner to send you to we're now working with a grand total of eight osteopaths and four sports therapists in the clinic as well as our lovely lovely podiatrist Sam Waters and so I think maybe it's good to say that it was about this time last year we decided that well I, I had met Sam and she's just so lovely she's so so lovely podiatry is an amazing addition to put to a clinic like this because Sam's knowledge about feet and how they work, the mechanics of them, is just unrivaled. So there's been several times actually over the last year where I've been treating a patient maybe for like a calf problem or a hamstring problem and 
then you start to look a little bit further afield and you see they've got an uneven pattern of callus formation between the two feet or maybe they always get an ingrown toenail on the one foot and not the other and so when we're being detectives and we're working out why people have these different problems it's really really good to get a podiatrist's insight on them there's been so many times where I've kind of called out of the clinic groom door and I've been like come in here (laughs) and uh, she'll kind of come take a little look at the feet or um, you know like we have a um, clinic messaging system and we're like whatsapping pictures of toes to each other because it it really is you know in terms of detective work uh, to figure out what's causing a problem a lot of the time we have to build it from the ground up and our feet are you just have so much information um, stored in the the wear on your feet the wear on your shoes um, that Sam coming and working at the clinic has been a really invaluable addition and actually you are going to hear from Sam later on in this half of the series um I think we're going to be talking about plantar fasciitis um and that's a really interesting condition but we've already been on enough tangents today so (laughs) we'll just avoid that one a little bit so back to kind of figuring out who to come and see when you phone up and make your appointment one of the other things that we decided to do with our clinic is that if the receptionist isn't able to easily place you with a practitioner if it doesn't seem like an obvious fit then what we can also do is get one of our practitioners to phone you back and take kind of a a five to ten minute case history just on the telephone so that you can know before you book your appointment that you're booking it with the right person for you Um, I think that it's one of those things in terms of you know do I do I choose to go and see a physio do I choose to go and see an osteopath a chiropractor a sports therapist a masseuse like where do I fit what you don't want to do is start booking appointments go to one appointment with each of these disciplines and find that it you know it's always the very last one isn't it that you <laughs> you were looking for so we tr- what we try and do is take as much of the guesswork out of that as possible um and that is that's just been a, a game changer in terms of patient outcomes for us so where previously maybe other clinics or or other systems of work and you would phone up and you just book an appointment and maybe you didn't quite know which one to book with we've got that direction straight from the off so that every appointment you come to is going to be of maximum benefit to you it's one of the other things that makes our clinic so different from others is that we do have this real emphasis on exercise and um one of our sports therapists, Matt, who you heard from in the first episode of this series of the Healthy Midlands podcast, he is a personal trainer as well. And so what we can do, he obviously has his personal training clients who come to see him for weight loss or, you know, changing their body shape, growing extra muscle, um, you know, aesthetic reasons or fitness reasons. They want to be stronger so that they're stronger in their sport. They want to be stronger so that they can tackle the challenges of life. But what we can also do is book patients in with Matt for rehabilitation exercise. And that might not look like a series of appointments. That might just look like um, somebody who's come in with lower back pain and they go to the gym quite frequently. And what your practitioner, whether that's a sports therapist or an osteopath, 
does is narrow down the idea that there's something happening at the gym that keeps re-aggravating your pain. And so we can send you in for kind of like a gym MOT with Matt and he can figure out, you know, what's your form on squats? What's your form on lunges? How are you going about... Um, you know your breathing or your core contraction for different types of exercises and he can give you pointers he can video you doing different exercises show it back to you improve your form and ultimately reduce your injury risk going forward Um, and I think that's the thing to to kind of really take away from this episode in getting to know um our clinic and the way that we approach things is that we are looking for bodily sustainability in a proactive way (laughs) which might be the most pretentious sentence I've ever said on the podcast but if I break it down essentially what it means is that you have to live in your body for the rest of your life and what our team want is for that to be as mobile and functional and enjoyable for you as possible so we don't want people having to go through their life in pain we want to cut it off at the pass and make sure that you are going forward with all of the tools that you need to make sure that your body works as well as it possibly can for as long as it possibly can um And I think that actually this is something, you know, I'm nearly 30 now and I've probably said this in I don't know how many episodes, but it's something that plays kind of like quite heavily on my mind is that the generation that I'm in, you know, we're we're living really long compared to previous generations. So our life expectancy is is the the longest it's ever been in this country. Um, So there's that to think about. And there's also the fact that, over the last couple of years the world has been absolutely turned upside down and I think that um you know the the way that things are we're kind of like we're staring at years and years of paying lots and lots of tax we're looking at pensions not being what they used to be we're looking at affordability of of lots of things not being great um and so for me especially in you know osteopathy is quite a manual job I'm I'm moving patients around every day um you know I'm activating their muscles I'm activating my muscles and what I what I want is to be able to work for a really long time um both because I really enjoy my job but also I think it's kind of what this economy is going to dictate um (laughs) so this is a podcast about health this is not an economic podcast but you know let's just be real because health and and economics have there's so much evidence to say that they've got direct links so let's let's acknowledge that let's (laughs) let's talk about money you need it you need to be able to work you need to be able to earn so that you can do so that you can afford um you know good health care so as a country you know we've got to all pay in and sort the nhs out you know bloody hell we've got to sort the nhs out (laughs) can you tell i've just read the news before i started recording blooming hell um you know we we need a stable economy so that we can have good health and we know from research that those two things are inextricably linked and when one goes down health goes down as well so we we need to be able to move forward through this life with a working body so that we can work and so that we can get the most out of it um but yeah so kind of like looking ahead it's about longevity it's about how you're going to feel when you're 70 years old and like 
so many things you have to lay the groundwork earlier and earlier um i am technically a millennial don't hold it against me but in terms of i think uh, attitudes to health the younger generations really are picking health up so much earlier than our parents and their parents before them um millennial and gen z generations have um, the lowest instance of smoking and the lowest instance of drinking and they also have the highest number of gym memberships per capita and I think that just screams the fact that we are interested in being healthy and interested in being healthy for a long time and that is I think just holds hands so nicely with the concepts behind osteopathy it's not about aggressive interventions when something goes wrong it's about being proactive and doing something good for your health before it gets to that point I think that this episode turned into a bit of a rant I don't know if I lost half of you before this point but if you've listened all the way through thank you so much for giving me 20 odd minutes of your time um and if you want to find out more about our clinic if you perhaps want to book in we have a fabulous online booking system that makes it so easy for you um you can find it at www.ebrocosteopathy.co.uk forward slash booking and if you want to find us on instagram uh, there's lots of activity between the healthy midlands account which is obviously for this podcast um, um, and the ebracosteopathy account um, but if you want to find it directly the handle is at ebracosteopathy um, and if you would like to speak to our lovely reception team and get a call back for your problem if you want to speak to one of our practitioners you can absolutely give us a call um, there are two clinic phone numbers because there are two clinics. Our Sutton Coalfield clinic number is 01213546955 and our Litchfield clinic number is 01543263125. So if you'd like to come and see us, those are the ways to do it. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Midlands podcast. Make sure to hit the follow button so that you can be the first to know when the next episode is up. Leave a review or share this podcast with a friend if you found it useful. And for more, come and find us on Instagram at Healthy Midlands.